Hey everybody, welcome to the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm the host of this podcast. And my name is Josh Denhart and we are super excited that you've joined us for the Lead Volunteers Podcast. Now Jeff, we're going to talk about something kind of interesting today. Mm-hmm. How about shiny object syndrome? Are you aware of this? Uh, no, you're going to have to explain more, but who doesn't love shiny objects, I feel? Right. Okay, how about if I put it this way? Have you ever heard of squirrel? Oh, yeah. So what? Mm-hmm. where might this be going? Uh, maybe getting distracted? Yeah. You headed that way? Yeah, headed that way. So how distractions can truly derail us in ministry. Now, mm-hmm. it's going to go a little bit deeper than just distractions and shiny silver objects or squirrels. The, the idea, though, is that we can we can actually short circuit our greatest future and maybe even our, our life's calling because of the shiny, flashy, good things that somebody might expect us to pursue. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into okay. this one. Well, you know, ministry leaders, here's the deal. We can often fall prey to shiny, silvery objects. It is all too easy to be taken off track and even derailed from a very critical strategy simply because a shiny object has appeared in the periphery. You've probably been there. You begin to pursue this peripherally, you know, this peripheral object in this opportunity, and you automatically get yanked off track. Now, today we're going to be talking about strategy in kind of kind of a, a unique set of terms. I want to think, I want you to think about strategy as a die cast mold set beforehand that determines future outcomes. Now listen, with a die cast mold, hot liquid metal is poured into this predetermined shape or this shaped mold. Once the metal has cooled, it takes on the predetermined form of the mold itself. Now for ministry strategy, I want it to be like a die cast mold. You must predetermine what you want to do and what you want the outcomes to look like. Far too many leaders have no strategy. And so they pursue every random seemingly positive opportunity and that automatically redefines where they're going. Let me say that again. When you have no strategy, every random seemingly positive opportunity automatically redefines where you're going. They are a leader who is jerking the wheel right to left over and over, causing the passengers on board to get queasy and seasick. Not good. No, yeah. And I mean, it's a common scenario, right? There's so many good things out there, which is true. You think of all the conferences you go to or how many different pastors I've had email me like, oh, have you checked out this curriculum or have you tried this game or this thing for your leaders? I mean, there's... There really is an abundance of material that it's so easy to get sucked into doing so many good things, but kind of, I think what you're saying is mm-hmm. you miss out on the best things. Right, exactly. So I guess going off the die cast mold, how do you determine your mold? Or how do you determine your predefined mold ahead of time? Got how do you it. get there? Got it. Well, this is the timeless question, right? I mean, which direction should we go? Now, let me tra- take you down kind of a weird path of sorts. Um, I mean, it's not like we're faced with a decision-making matrix like this. Choice number one, a week-long cocaine binge. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right. I said weird. You did say weird path. Okay. Uh, Opportunity. Option one, one, yes. Opportunity two or option two is to spend your entire life savings on a gambling frenzy in Las Vegas. Okay. 
or option. There, there's more options. Hopefully. There's more options. Yes. Okay. okay yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And your third option is helping low-income kids learn about the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That would be a bad, bad, good choice. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Pretty easy. <laughs> if you could see Jeff's face, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a week-long cocaine binge, spending all of your money in a gambling frenzy, or helping kids learn about the gospel. Bad, bad, good. This is not what we're typically faced with in a ministry context. We're often faced with good, good, or best, or good, better, and best. Mm. Here's one thing I want to I want to promise you. Right out of the gate with this with this podcast, I cannot make this decision for you. Each town or community has different needs. You should know those needs. Each leader and team brings a completely different set of gift sets. Therefore, the different needs in your community, coupled with the different cross-section of gifts, means that you are going to need to work through this all on your own and figure out this path for yourselves. I will say, however, it comes down to thought, prayer, and some pretty intense intentionality. However, with the lack, without that level of intentionality, you are going to be blown by every wind of change and it is not going to be bad, bad, good. It's going to be, you're going to be sucked into pursuing all kinds of random good things that are going to sap your energy and tax you. Jeff, does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're saying that being intentional through prayer about the direction that you want your ministry to go, that's how you determine the mold. I would not only just prayer, but like maybe even having an off-site where you literally break out of the regular everyday norm of your ministry and you sit down and you really think through what are we what like mm-hmm. yeah it, gathering your team together gather too, your and, team together right mm-hmm. and having like a brainstorming session and figuring out through prayer and petition and discussion and dreaming and needs assessment of your community where do we want to be in the next 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So when when do you determine that mold? Or uh, when do you get the right. group together? When do you take that time? How far in advance do you do that? Yeah, great question. I would say that the overall biggest picture vision is likely going to be set by your entire church, fair? I, I think that the big church may have a, a vision and you would fall under that. However, mm-hmm. your ministry area could have a set of sub-visions and ways of achieving those goals. Personally, I sought to work from a calendar year perspective. And so I would, though I would not be limited to, my typical rhythm was finding a once a year kind of getaway, really rethink things at a lower point uh, of, of busyness and really strategize for the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think those are really good thought shots. It's, it's so easy to get distracted by all those good things. I wonder, like... Some of those good things we see and we might think, oh, no, well, there's the new mold or there's the new thing that's going to take us forward. Yes, I totally understand. You're saying that can kind of be a distraction. It can be. Now, we'll we'll get to the dark sides of both extremes. Okay. Okay. So then can you tell us the advantages of having a predetermined mold? Yes. So in my opinion, one of the most important leadership principles is to create a strategy and literally stick with it. Be immovable, seek the Lord, seek counsel, and strategically determine where you want to go for the next three to five years. It's going to take a level of discipline to be immovable from that opportunity. Now, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, however, that you're going to be rigid, resisting every future opportunity. No, but you, you have to be open to future opportunities that crop up. However, having a predetermined strategy allows you to have a bias toward the word no. 
You heard it right. Ministry leaders need to have a bias to say no. There are far too many opportunities that will derail and dismantle a wonderful future by unnecessary rabbit trails and future false starts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, a, a great leader once told me, hey, now listen, this is very important. A wonderful yes can predetermine the next 1,000 no's. Let me say that again. A wonderful yes can predetermine the next 1,000 no's. So in other words, having a critical prayer-based strategy automatically dismantles less quality opportunities that will present themselves to you. I think having a bias toward no allows you to say yes to your greatest yes. Now that's really good. Do you have any, maybe just ministry examples of this principle, the the yes uh, predetermining the thousand, the next thousand no's? Yeah, yeah. I had a wonderful and super talented employee. He was young. He was literally ultra gifted. He had so much going for him. And I told him as he said, yes to the opportunity to serve on the team that I was leading, I told him as soon as other people on staff and in the church found out about his worship leading abilities, which he was not hired to do, and found out about his video editing abilities, which again, he was not hired to do, he would be automatically inundated with opportunities to, quote, help and do things way outside of his assigned ministry responsibilities. Now, I told him, I said, I want to encourage you to have a bias towards saying no. I even went so far as to say, I want to encourage you to say no to the first 10,000 opportunities. <laughs> was I trying to restrict him? Not at all. I was, however, trying to get him to be hyper vigilant about what he agreed to do. Mm-hmm. He has thanked me innumerable times. Like we've parted ways, you know what I mean? We worked mm-hmm. together for seven years. And he has continued to say that that was one of the most profitable things that he's ever heard. The problem is that most things that come our way in ministry, they're not bad things. Mm -hmm. But good things can become the enemy of the best things. Let me say that again. Good things can become the enemy of the best things. Again, this is not cocaine binge versus gambling my life savings versus doing good for the Mm -hmm. gospel. Yeah, we wish it was that black and white. We wished it was that black and white. It would Mm -hmm. be super easy. And so then young, young, I'm not going to say immature, but but if you're not thinking this through, you can get hijacked by other people telling you what they think you should do with your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I I mean, you say young because that's generally, you kind of, get older and you learn, oh man, I was spreading myself way too thin. Way I was too thin. You'd kind of learn by example there. and Or learn by pain. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. And yes. so, yeah, hopefully this can be an encouragement to the young Absolutely. leader listening to just start with, like uh, the guy you were talking about, just start with that bias towards no in in a way that helps you be able to determine yes. your path forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. So does, I guess, maybe the devil's advocate question that I like to throw in all the time. You does a mold eliminate the ability to be flexible? Yes, I think it can if someone is not careful. So I'm going to define right now two humongous ditches that are wide open and they have a lot of opportunity to derail us. Ditch number one is chasing any and all shiny new objects. This ditch is totally worn with good ideas that are not thought through. This ditch is filled with, listen to me, half-done projects. A lot of people in a lot of ministries, especially a very vision-oriented leader, can just get fired up. They see something on Facebook, and their mind just starts, and they know exactly where they ought to go, and 
yet they don't have the chutzpah or the follow through to see it all the way through. That's is a very dangerous ditch. Now, ditch two is being utterly inflexible and unable to pivot and seize on unique opportunities that come because you're so dogmatically locked into your current idea. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I see more people plagued by the by the latest and greatest idea and in the ditch of distraction far more than I do them seeing and missing out on opportunities. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think if there is a if there is a problem in a ministry context, I think that it's it's succumbing to wanting to do this new, cool, fantastic, good thing. And that derails people far more than being laser focused on what they feel God is calling to do. Listen, ministry seems to be filled with good people chasing too many good dreams at the cost of their potential highest calling. Hmm. Wow. So what then, clearly there's a significance here. What is the significance of having a predetermined plan? Well, for me personally, I think a well, like a firm and well-defined future plan allows for the greatest level of flexibility. Now, I know that sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. How can having a well-determined plan allow for flexibility? Well, here's how. Do I know my giftings? Um, If I do, there's plenty of things that just would not make sense for me to tackle. And so I can offload those. Right. So having a, pre- a predetermined plan knows about myself, knows about my proclivities, where I would like like how what I have to offer to the kingdom. That's going to automatically exclude a whole bunch of opportunities because I just may not be gifted for them. Also, having a, mu- a wonderful ministry grid or matrix that naturally filters out things uh, sh- like should provide great freedom. In other words, it can be very taxing when I get tons and tons and tons of ideas from other people about what they think I should do with my life. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I guess I've seen it in ministries all over the place where the ministry leader, they will kind of say, oh, well, I don't really have this predetermined plan. I wouldn't call it a a mold. Uh, We kind of just were led by the spirit. We're taking a look at our culture and we're reacting and kind of moving forward mm-hmm. out of that and from where we are, which gives us flexibility to move forward and using language like that. Um, but as you've said before, kind of not having this predetermined plan can derail you maybe. Can. So h- how can not having a plan, why is that a negative for your ministry? Yeah. And I want to say like, listen, I am way open to the spirits leading and I, I, I That's the way that I live my life, but I am not, I am going to allow the spirit to work in harmony with me. And I think that spirit can work in harmony as I'm figuring out my predetermined plan. Can I have an amen? Mm -hmm. Like in my planning session, can the spirit be alive and acting and moving and helping me determine the next year? I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. The next year of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I don't need to be passively waiting. In a sense, what I want to do is be open and honest and be willing to have the Spirit interrupt me. And I'm going to want to be willing to have the Spirit interrupt my plans. I don't want to be waiting aimlessly to be led by the Spirit. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, want the Spirit, Yes, to interrupt. Okay, how can ha- not having a plan derail your ministry? That was your question. 
Here's an interesting thing. As soon as you are even remotely successful in life, I am telling you, new opportunities will come knocking. If you do know, if you do not know what you ought to be doing, you will be sucked into what other people think you should be doing. Hey, my name's Bob, and I can't wait to introduce you to what I think God's will is for your life. <laughs> Not a fan of that. And I've had that happen to me. Yeah. Listen, Jeff, any level of success, and, and you know, God has allowed me to have some successes in some random different areas. And as soon as I'm successful in a thing, there are people coming out of the woodwork saying, I think you should, you should consider. Okay, great, wait. I want to be thinking and praying and tuning into what I think God's will is for my life. I don't want an overly pervasive, persuasive vision caster to persuade me outside of my ultimate calling. I will listen. I will play, pray. I will contemplate. However, how amazing um, is it, right, that I, if I have already proactively determined what I want to do and where I want to go. This allows me great freedom to say yes and to not say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so looking at, I guess, all of the options that are out there for ministries, how do you determine the difference between a good or a best idea to use yes. your language from earlier that's worth pursuing and just another shiny object? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say Or this. like you said, it's in between the, how do you just decide a best between a better? It's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. I would say this. Does your strategy help you quickly determine yes or no? Does your weak and undefined, possibly non-existent strategy, make it open game for any and all opportunities to quickly derail you and cause you to essentially achieve nothing at all? I would say this, another way to put it, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. <laughs> And so if you have a predetermined idea of where you want to go, as amorphic as that might feel, at least you have an idea of where you're going, then you're not going to be just pushed and pulled in every quick random direction. At the end of the day, when you make a winning strategy, stick to it. Don't be tempted by every random shiny object in the right or left field of vision. Does your strategy determine where you're going to go or does a new opportunity constantly redefine your strategy? I'm going to say that again because I have been at churches where I have seen leaders, the strategy and their direction is constantly changing, not because they've redefined the strategy, but because a brand new thing came up and then they have all now repositioned around that new thing. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's not how I think it should go. Now, hear me out. I, Josh, have the ability and I have pivoted very quickly when I see an opportunity. That is not my go-to strategy. I think that, that okay, I've seen football teams who, who have 17 plays predetermined. Like they have the first 17 plays. Let's say that they go uh, play one through four and they have to punt. They know what play five is going to be. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So they know where they're going to go, all of these plays. And then it's out of the strength of that, that the, that the quarterback can see an opportunity and call a audible. audible. Mm -hmm. But when all of a sudden I've seen senior leaders who are like this, oh, no, no, I live for the audible. Oh, trust me, we know. And it's painful for everyone around you to not have a direction, meaning that you're waiting for the wind to blow to determine or waiting for the next shiny object. And then you seize upon that. If that is the constant for you, mm -hmm. it is exhausting and it is directionless. Mm -hmm. And it, I guess it doesn't mean that good things can't happen during that. 
but do you want those scattered good things or do you want the best things? Like we said earlier, exactly I think right. that's good distinguish. Yeah. Good and distinguish, distinguisher to make. Yes, exactly. And I would say at the end of the day, it is more of an art than it is a science. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it is, it's going to be an easy answer. Mm-hmm. But my push to all of the leaders out there, you said it well, uh, 15 different really good snappy looking curriculum right? Mm-hmm. Or the next super cool, slow down. If I were to say, if I see a problem in ministry in America, it is shiny object syndrome. It is not being like dogmatically adhered to your predetermined decision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To use the curriculum example, I know for me, we started using a curriculum three years ago and I've had plenty of people who are throwing different ones. Oh, you're using this one. Well, you should try this new one next year. It's so good. And not even that they're saying it's better, but just, yeah, you, it's should a, check it out. you should check it out. It's a good thing. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're three years into this curriculum and I'm still honing it in and perfecting right. this because I'm sure there's oh, there are great good. curriculum they're, out there. Yes. They're all good. But do I want to be really great at using this exactly. one and the tools that they provide for me? Or do I want to keep switching every year, try something new and not be able to use it to its fullest Totally and agree. I think that's just, that's an example that I'm seeing and thinking of as I'm thinking through this. It's because it, it's so easy to get distracted. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and I it, love that quote, the, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Because every time. If, if you don't have the direction, if you don't have that mold to, to help just guide you, again, it doesn't mean it can't flex. It, it's just harder to define the wins. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to throw out one more thing as we close. Um, I have been around leaders, and I can be this guy, but I have it actually quite well under control, is that I like to tackle new things. Mm-hmm. I like the buzz of that. I like the excitement. I like the, it gets me up in the morning. I have something to, to, to run and tackle. Mm-hmm. I have seen leaders who out of leadership boredom, they decided to chase something new, not because they felt God, I think they could put it under the heading of they they felt God was calling them to do this, Mm -hmm. but I think it really came down to their own leadership boredom and they wanted to stir it up. Now, hear me out. I like that can be exhausting for a staff to all of a sudden, like at some point you, you, you need to begin to think of your ministry a little bit more like a, a Navy battleship than a speedboat. Does that make sense? And making these herky-jerky reactions about, we're doing this over here now. That's like taking a speedboat and twisting the wheel as hard as you can. And people start flying off the sides. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They can't keep up with you. And it's very, very, very exhausting. Mm -hmm. So again, do I have a bias against the shiny, uh, the shiny, object syndrome yes because i've sat under leadership that had that was painfully painfully taking us in all kinds of herky-jerky directions and we weren't making the impact that we could have does Mm -hmm. that make sense absolutely no that's a that's a great way to end it i still i'm going to say it one more time i that quote i'm probably going to paint it up on my wall or something but if you if you aim at nothing you're going to hit it every time and so we hope that you'd consider finding a mold for you to get some direction for your ministry heading forward. I know it's it's tough to f- kind of fab- fathom that and wrap your head around that during the season of coronavirus, but I, I promise having that anchor and that thing to hold on to and, and kind of drive the ship forward is going to help as we move forward in these next seasons. And if you would like some resources and tools to help you develop that mold for you, I encourage you to check out leadvolunteers.com. It's a done-for-you resource to help you recruit, train, 
and retain volunteers. Help stop the revolving door of volunteers in your ministry and just prevent burnout for you. We want to come alongside you, encourage you, build you up, and make your job more enjoyable so that you can accomplish the the vision and mission that you have set forward for your ministry. So go check out Lead Volunteers. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here next week with another episode.